Let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 9 for a brief look at a couple of verses just to bring us back into the worship of God with His Word. Romans chapter 9. Many things could be pulled from this chapter pertaining to the subjects of God's sovereignty in our election and predestination. But I will limit myself to starting at verse 18. Romans 9 verse 18. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. He has said in verse 15 that he'll have mercy and compassion on whom he will have mercy and compassion. Then in verse 17, he brings up Pharaoh as an example of someone he did not have mercy on. Verse 19, Thou wilt say then unto me, this is the natural man reacting to the sovereignty of God, why doth he yet find fault? How can God still blame me for who hath resisted his will? If God hardens men, how can God judge them? This verse is very instrumental in my conversion and uh, convincing of the sovereignty of God, this 19th verse, because that is a, a good, natural question. Why doth he yet find fault for who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Paul did not say, reader, you've misunderstood me. You're taking the position or the doctrine of election too far. I didn't mean what you think that I said. Uh, it's not quite as bad as you're making it out to be. Election isn't all that bad. Paul doesn't give any of those explanations or responses to this question. He says, nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? You don't have a right to ask questions like that. Hath not the potter... Power over the clay? Yes, we know that. When a potter takes a lump of clay, he can do with it whatever he wants to. And if the clay starts melting off to him, he can put it back in a bucket of water and turn it back to mud. Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Can a potter take clay and make a beautiful object and an ugly object? Indeed. What if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. He's the potter. They were made for that end. God never made them sin. God forces no one to sin. God doesn't infuse sin into anyone. Men sin very voluntarily. And, verse 23, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had a four prepared unto glory. When did he do that? What does a four mean here? Before the foundation of the world. Even us. There's the we of Ephesians. Even us, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. And amen. amen. The common way of Arminians to get out of Romans chapter 9 is to say that all these verses apply to Israel and their natural, national blessings by God, not spiritual or eternal or salvation blessings. For those of us that went to Bob Jones University, you, every student had to take a New Testament survey. And a New Testament survey, they give a little booklet that's a survey of the New Testament so that you can cover the New Testament in 16 weeks. When you flip that baby open and get over to Romans chapter 9... It just says Romans 9 through 11. 
these chapters belong to Israel. (laughs) Bye-bye. So we can jump from chapter 8 to chapter 12 and ignore these. But what did verse 24 say that this is about? Even us, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. This isn't national privileges. What's chapter 8 about in Romans? Salvation. What do they use Romans 10.1 about? Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. It's all about salvation. This is about who are the children of God and who are the children of the flesh. When Paul said, opening this chapter with the first five verses, that I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ, what's he talking about? National privileges? The nation of Israel was on the way out the back door. There were no more national privileges. These are spiritual privileges, but he's drawing from some examples like Rebecca's two twins and Abraham's multiple wives and children, but only one was chosen, Isaac, the son of Sarah. Only Jacob, out of Jacob and Esau, and so forth. And it comes down and it's telling us, that these vessels of mercy were prepared for the glory of God, and that was before the foundation of the world. And we know from Ephesians 1 and other places that that's eternal life. And so that's why Gentiles are included. May the Lord have mercy upon us, and may we all come humbly before verses like Romans chapter 9, verse 20, verse 21, verse 22, 3 and 4, and humble ourselves that this is the truth of the universe. This matches what the rest of the scriptures teach. Right. And uh, let's humble ourselves before it. Father in heaven, thou art the potter and we are the clay. Amen. We sing, Holy Father, we sing that if our souls were sent to hell, thy righteous law approves it well. You didn't make us sinners. You didn't make us sinners yesterday. And you won't make us sinners tomorrow. We in our foolish depravity and wicked sinful natures choose to sin. And so did our first father. O Lord, choose to sin against thee with the temptation presented by his wife and by the devil. We thank thee for the Lord Jesus Christ, the second Adam. And we thank thee for thy grace as the potter over the clay of making us vessels of honor, not because of any good in us, but because it seemed good in thy sight. O Lord, we thank thee. We are the least of all your children. Thank you for your mercy and grace toward us in Christ Jesus, who shall deliver us from the body of this death. I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Heavenly Father, receive our worship in this second assembly through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.